From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm your host this week, Jennifer Shutt. Now that lawmakers have given themselves until December 21st to work out a year-end spending package on the final seven appropriations bills, they have just under two weeks to resolve differences that have been dividing them since the original batch of these bills was released earlier this year. Adding to this pileup is an additional list of spending requests that the White House sent up to Congress. This list of anomalies includes a lot of different things, including some more money for wildfire suppression that may be a bit difficult for lawmakers not to add on to a year-end spending package. Here to explain all of this is my esteemed colleague Kelly Madrick and senior budget reporter Paul Krawczak. Glad to be here. Hi. Thanks for inviting me. So we are going to start off talking about some of the issues in the remaining seven fiscal 2019 spending bills that need to be passed before December 21st in order to avoid a partial government shutdown. And one of the things on the top of this list is a new heavy polar icebreaker. And for those of you not aware, this is just a really big ship that the U.S. Coast Guard wants. I haven't actually uh, had a new one in more than 40 years, I believe. And one of the one of the issues that's setting this up is in the polar circle, um, the the hope for the Coast Guard to sort of compete with Russia there. So, Kelly, what are your thoughts on whether or not we land on sort of the Senate side or the House side with this? So it seems like if, if passes any guide, we're probably going to end up on the side of funding another polar icebreaker. This is a big priority for appropriators in the Senate, and it's something that usually ends up in their favor. But right now, it's really a reflection of just the inability of House appropriators who didn't include that in their request to really account for everything that the Trump administration wants, in part because of this border wall issue, even though we're talking about all the other stuff that doesn't have to do with the border wall, it just seems to uh, come in at any juncture and become an issue. So it's even one when it has to do with a project that's meant to kind of uh, resist Western dominance in the Arctic Circle. The, the Russians have a large number of polar icebreakers, while um, this is just to start the procurement of a new fleet. I think we have like a very limited number right now in the Arctic, and, and the procurement is in its very early stages. So the ability to really um, go toe-to-toe with Russia on these vessels is, is still pretty limited, even if this were to pass. And one of the other issues that we've been tracking throughout the year is this request from the Trump administration to include a citizenship question on the 2020 census. This is something that we've heard grumblings about from members of both parties throughout the year. And it's basically just when the 2020 census comes out, when everyone starts doing that sort of documentation of who you are, where you live, that determines, you know, which states get how many members of the House the Trump administration would like to have a question on it that asks whether or not you are a U.S. citizen or not. And Democrats are, in general, a little bit opposed to that. And then the Republican side is mostly in favor of it. But as with anything in Congress, not everyone is holding the line on that. Census question, another example of how limited the Congress is when it comes to dealing with new spending priorities when they're unable to finish their work in time. And another thing about the census is that it was mentioned in the anomalies list as well that CQ obtained on Friday that is basically a list of extras desired by the White House. This document was framed as something if if lawmakers were going to pass a full year uh, stopgap, which would essentially keep uh, levels at fiscal 2018 levels. Um, again, that's a worst case scenario for everybody, but it reflects at the very basic minimum, kind of what 
the uh, what the White House needs in terms of extra funding compared to the previous year. And Paul, I'm curious what you think of how the anomalies come into play when we're doing this like year end spending talks and negotiations. Do you think it could affect underlying bills if they could get to agreement or something like that? Yes, because the anomalies, to some extent, parallel what uh, what the Trump administration is trying to get um, in in an omnibus. Mm-hmm. Um, and an example would be the the five billion in wall funding, also included it in the anomalies. Um, and there's other additional border money in the anomalies as well, mm-hmm. which uh, which Trump is pushing um, in the omnibus. Additionally, I noticed that there were immigration judge. Uh, requests for funding for immigration judges in that list. I think, again, like on a broader level, the average taxpayer isn't going to look at this and be really excited by a list of, you know, oh, come requests on. Above, above fiscal 2018 levels on a year-long CR. But the real- you mean the average tax pen- taxpayer didn't spend their Friday afternoon reading through this list of additional spending requests? I mean, unless you consider me the average taxpayer, but I'm probably not. So, But the thing is this, basically, like the anomalies provide kind of a metaphor for the larger spending debate, especially when things become so cramped, as we've seen, where the Senate and the House are just unable to come to agreement. It even seems like it's unclear whether Democrats are going to carry the same line between the chambers on this issue of the wall. And as a result, like all the other issues come into play where, okay, well, if you're going to stopgap everything else because you can't agree, here are the things that are real problems, right? Do you think there might be some difficulty with ignoring some of these additional funding requests or anomalies that came from the White House? I mean, I think when I was looking through your story, Kelly, I think there's, what, a $1 billion ask for wildfire suppression efforts in California. That's going to be something pretty hard for them not to try to find a way to work into this, this spending cap for fiscal 2019, right? Mm-hmm. It's just another example of how the Congress has, because of the enactment of some appropriations bills and not others, there's kind of some winners and losers we're seeing play out. And, you know, this this anomalies list is not always public. And part of it is because it kind of shows the the, 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 the strain points in the executive branch when the Congress can't get its homework done on time. And so we're just in another round here of the White House kind of giving out its last cry of what's needed if they really can't do anything. Of course, that's the least desired outcome of everybody but it's something that now that the stage for debate has gotten to the point where it is, we have to start talking at this very elemental level. And Paul, what do you think is going to happen in the next two weeks on these negotiations over all of these issues? Well, they really are walking a tightrope between the possibility of getting all seven bills agreed on the 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 border security issues really being the the major unresolved issues just about everybody would like to get appropriations done uh before the before the end of this calendar year before christmas but they might not get that agreement and if they don't i mean you could have a shutdown i mean there there are a lot of people out there who think the chances of a shutdown are a little bit you know better than 50% on the other hand, you've got a group of people who really think they will reach some kind of agreement. They will find some way to, to finesse this border security issue because, you know, they've negotiated these seven appropriations bills. And, I mean, Democrats and Republicans both have a stake in the work that they have hammered out. And if you go into a shutdown or, you know, then you may end up with a year-long CR where everything is just continued at current spending levels. But, I mean, one of the interesting things about this anomalies list 
is it shows that the Trump administration is prepared for a year-long CR. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting because that has been a line that we have not heard, right? But mm-hmm, to see mm-hmm. the document itself showing, well, okay, if this is what you guys mm-hmm, are going to do, mm-hmm. this is what we need. I mean, it's 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 routine, but it's also it's also indicative of a type of discussion that we didn't know was going on. I also wonder, Paul, like what you think of um, if if we're going to have a shutdown on December 21st, oh my goodness, which would be horrible, right before Christmas, what would that do to the ability for the two chambers to come to agreement on a budget deal right in the next spring, like early next year? Seems like a nightmare scenario to me. Well, I, if there is a shutdown, it's probably not going to last very long, yeah. um, maybe into January. It's not clear how they come out of a shutdown, what kind of what kind of agreement they reach coming out of a shutdown. I mean, I don't know that it would really affect putting together a deal to raise the caps next year. I mean, they almost certainly are going to put together some kind of deal to raise the caps because if they don't, there's going to be a big drop in both defense and non-defense spending. Yeah, because the most recent two-year agreement expired. Yeah, now we're left with these huge drop-off in spending, which nobody wants. I think it also speaks to, Jennifer, I know that like we've both covered this, that that these CR levels would be such a letdown given how much lawmakers work to negotiate this extra $11 billion as part of the budget deal for these seven remaining bills. Like, why leave all that money on the table? Yeah, I don't think anyone actually wants to leave all that money on the table is what I've been getting a sense of in conversations with appropriators and staff throughout the past few weeks, but also for months now, especially because they know some of these departments and agencies have plans for what they're going to do with this, these additional allocations already. And so I think one of the things that's going to be really fascinating to watch is on Tuesday, when Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer of New York and House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi of California head to the White House to meet with President Trump. Obviously, that meeting is predominantly focused on border wall spending, but it could veer into some of these other areas as well. And one of the things that we always like to watch for, and I know a lot of our colleagues at other journalism houses do too, is what are they asking for in exchange for this? And there's always both parties, both sides, when they're going into negotiations like this, they always come in with a list of asks. And one of the things that we've known from the past with Democrats is that when, when Republicans want to increase defense discretionary spending, Democrats feel that you should increase non-defense discretionary spending by an equal amount. It's that classic dollar-for-dollar negotiation. And so I don't necessarily—we've seen a very clear line in the sand on border wall and and citizenship question on the 2020 census and some of these other issues. But I'm almost wondering if there's, you know, like sort of a a card that they're going to bring to this Trump meeting that none of us are aware of yet that is going to sort of change this negotiation entirely. Especially because all of these issues on the homeland title, which we keep talking, um, you know, in our stories and, and lawmakers keep referring to on the floor over and over and over again. Let's do a let's do a CR of homeland, the Democrats say. No way. There's no way the president would accept that, the president says. You know, it just demonstrates how much homeland policy has yet to be addressed. And I imagine that would be a big issue going into these talks on Tuesday. But it's starting to feel like these White House meetings are going to become very pivotal in the next few days. We've had White House meeting after White House meeting, and a lot of these are just kind of, it almost seems like 
you know, lawmakers are trying to float various things either through the press or to the president in, in privacy, and it's not really coming to a lot of real substance. But I believe that this next meeting is going to be quite pivotal, um, just given the deadline at this point. I think that, you know, people are starting to get really serious about the specifics of the deal. I think what they'll be looking for is a win-win, mm-hmm. and maybe it'll take the form of something like Democrats are able to say, you know, you know, Trump got a little bit more money for border security, but it's not going to be used for this concrete wall that they all oppose. Um, Trump will be able to say, you know, I got more money than I had before, and you know, I'm going to, you know, he may use the word wall anyway. Mm-hmm. He may say, I'm going to build a wall anyway. I mean, a wall does not necessarily mean a concrete wall. Yeah. So they might be able to come up with something where each side can go back to their constituencies and say, we got something important here. And it's funny because we're always going to have two groups, it seems, at the end of these wrap-ups who are saying their story is the truth. That is, we got money for the wall or, no, they didn't get money for the wall. And it looks like we're teed up to do that again. Right. Okay, Kelly, Paul, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall. 